Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Out of Context. This is your favorite rabbit raccoon here today. Now, you'll be noticing something a little odd about the show. We're missing the star. But it's not because of anything she's done, anything I've done. It's just the stars didn't align today. She just has plans. So instead of your favorite Ash Majestic joining us today, we have the one, the only, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. Hello, Sarah. Now, I notice you're sitting next to somebody. Now, he's dark, he's mysterious. Oftentimes, we yell at him for saying the same intro over and over and over again. And over again. Do you want to introduce the main star attraction of the show today? Well, I mean, he is the man that needs no introduction, um, since we've already heard it about a thousand times. So why don't we go ahead, um, Adrian? With that wonderful introduction between you two, I feel so special. I mean, and of course, <laughs> Becky mentioned Ashley was the main person, the main host. I think I'm the main host and whatnot. I mean, seeing how she's not here to defend herself or anything of the sort, do we miss, dear Ashley, the co-host of the Out of Context podcast, you know, my second in command, you know, my first mate, stuff like that. I mean, but she's not here to really say anything. So, yes, I think I'm the main host. So, hi, everyone. I, and I mean, I kind of hijacked it, though. Just a little bit. And, and a special shout-out to Ash Majestics. A very special shout-out to you, Ashley, my friend. And yes, you are my friend, Ashley, wherever you are. And we were waiting for it, folks. Peace be with you wherever you're at. Anyhow, Bex, please continue. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, Adrian kind of made the mistake of letting me do the intro. That's why it's a little butchered. So if you're still listening, kudos to you. You, my friend, probably have ADHD like I do. Especially if we're going to be able to keep... Wow, words. It's okay. It's a podcast. There is no format. Say whatever you like. We can always edit this in post. But more often than not, no. I'm not going to edit it because... You're taking over the ship today, so it's okay. Have a good time. If you stammer or fumfer, it's perfectly fine. So how are you doing today, Gearbex? I'm doing really good, actually. Um, just kind of chilling, chilling like villain, dealing with my ADHD, going, hey, we haven't had caffeine. <laughs> so, um, hopefully I will not steer this ship right into the bright shiny objects that are to the left oh wait those are rocks <laughs> it's Anyways. okay I, I, I do have faith in you and each screen you know there there is each one of us there's you on one screen Sarah on another screen and myself on the other screen so we're gonna have a good time talk about whatever we wish I mean if Ashley was here with us today we would interact with her also possibly make fun of her because she really can't hear she really can't hear what we're doing until after the show is on the air so i'm gonna say a lot of lovely things about her because i miss her so much she's such an integral maybe a minor part of the show but we're gonna dedicate this show to her because wherever she is out there we're gonna think about her i know she misses us ever so dearly and once again ashley i know you're out there in the ether just say a small prayer for us and keep us in your thoughts and uh yeah you know just be you're sure not to uh, get garlic around bex because she is a vampire and you know, she she will attack you. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think that the whole garlic thing is that vampires just told people that they don't like garlic so that, that everyone would eat garlic and season their food for them. That's a good point. No, my I like garlic, but I don't like it when it's like what my wife does, which is tablespoon garlic tablespoon garlic table i'm like just put the entire jar in that's just just do it that's how you're supposed to cook you you say it says one clove of garlic and you go oh one entire head of garlic okay yeah and then that's the only seasoning she would use so oh, i know you have to like, use more than just that so um not only in my rabbit raccoon who's vampire i'm also part italian so i learned how to spice things from a young age so I was like 
garlic, not the only thing. Here's pepper, here's onion, here's <laughs> powdered garlic, here's paprika, here's chives, here's this everything else. Like thyme, rosemary, let's throw it all together. Not just garlic and rosemary. That sounds wonderful though, but if you're gonna make like a really good garlic bread, you take it, and my mouth is watering, and you like take the oil and you like cook the oil with the, the garlic cloves in it, and then you smush it everywhere with like some butter and just like. And then add cheese. Huh? And then add cheese. Add cheese. For yes. a split second there, I thought you said ass cheeks, and I just kind of <laughs> had a weird look on my face. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know where we're going with this, but we're gonna try to get, get back on topic. And I mean, I know I got plenty of cake, but that's not bread, so you shouldn't be slathering that all over my ass cheeks. I thought you were actually talking about Ashley's ass cheeks. I mean, if she was here listening to us right now, she would have to say something about that. But unfortunately, she's not here to really comment on that. Oh, so. poor Ashley. We're not gonna butter your ass cheeks today. Yep. So butter your biscuits. Yeah. Butter I'm, your biscuits. Butter your muffins. Your muffins. I miss you, Ashley, and your muffins. I mean, I wonder what she would say if she was here right now, hearing you us talking about her cheeks and everything of the sort. But alas, she's not here, so we shall move on, painfully so. But uh, what is what she's probably doing, Adrian? Yes, I'm cutting you off because, well, you gave me control, so this is your fault. <laughs> She's probably buying all your grandchildren gifts. The really loud, noisy ones that if you step on, it's gonna hurt. So Legos and drum sets. Legos, drum sets, weird microphones that change your voice, um, little trumpets, hmm. guitars that are untuned. Well, Let me think of all of the Who's down in Whoville with all of their trumpets and wumpets and whatever, all the things that the Grinch hates. Yes. Oh, and remember the jacks from when we were kids? Oh, shit. Those were awful. Yeah, yeah. She's also finding those. They're not, she's not going to give them to your grandkids. No, she's going to hide them randomly throughout your house. Oh, I mean, I was at the store earlier today. I mean, I found some toys that I know her kids are going to love. I mean, I mean, the triplets that she's having is going to be it's going to be awesome. So I'm going to buy them all Star Wars stuff. Really, really loud toys that make noise. You know, so when she's trying to sleep, you know, all, you know, all of her babies are going to just wake her up lightsabers you know just just typical things but once again i mean she's not here to you know to really uh really interact with her about the things she wants for her kids her unborn babies and uh it's just a shame but anyhow um what, what are the topics for today i mean uh, rabbit raccoon you you're like you lead us all right well i'm gonna ask a question that every time we encounter a newcomer i'm gonna ask this question we're all familiar with the gas station question. Here's a new one. Sarah, I know we talked about it on the Discord, but I want to hear your actual opinions about this. You have an arm that's got tattoo sleeves. It gets bitten off by a shark. Are you more upset about the arm or the tattoo sleeves? So I'm still standing firm on my answer on the Discord of a little bit of both. Um, and it also depends on which arm. So if it's my left arm, I'm going to be more upset about the tattoo sleeve, okay? Because I'm right-handed, even though I'm currently gesturing with my left hand. I'm right-handed. I can't do bupkis with my left hand. Like, I, I genuinely can't do shit with it. So if, heaven forbid, and knock on wood, because we all know that I don't want to lose any member of my body, if I were to unfortunately become a snack for Jaws, my left arm, I'm going to be pissed off about the ink because it's expensive and because anything that I put on my body is important to me. Now, if it's my right arm, I'm going to be more angry about the fact that I can't do butt kiss with my fucking left arm. So I'm going to be more upset about that, but the ink is still going to be upsetting for me as well because I do have a piece planned for my right arm that's for my father. So that's also going to bother me a lot too. But at the same token... I could always get that ink replaced someplace else on my body. It's just I'm going to have to pay double for it. It's just, for me, I think I'd be more upset about losing a piece of me um, than I would be the ink just because I can always get it redone. Adrian? Interesting question. Number one, I'm not a really big water guy, so uh, if a shark did attack me, 
I'm going to scream like a little girl with a skinned knee. Everybody, don't forget, you know, the uh, whole black guy can't swim thing. So we're going to turn Sharknado. Off. Yes, exactly. If it was a Sharknado scenario, you know, then I'm going to have to uh, just, just wonder about that a little bit. Um, no, if it was, if, if I mean, I would rather be more upset about the arm. Because, I mean, I, I got to work out. I got to type. I got to do various things with it. So I'd be more upset about the arm thing. Tattoo, I'm a black guy. It's really not going to show up on me that well. So. Because you're thinking too small, though. What, what? I would be more upset about the ink. Because at least the arm, I grew it for free. And I can get it replaced with one that functions on its own. They make robotic arms. Could be a fucking superhero. But imagine the years of pain and frustration you go through to get that fake arm put on. I mean, you can still have your tattoo artist draw the tattoos back up on that arm. Yeah, but I didn't pay thousands of dollars to grow the arm. I paid thousands of dollars for the tattoos. But you grow the arm because you're supposed to have the arm. Yeah, but there's some people who are born without arms. Okay, there's that's the point. But I was not born, born without arms. Without part of their bodies. Perfectly I, I was, fine. But I was born with yeah. arms because I'm supposed to have exactly. them. So you're right. The pain and frustration wouldn't make me a hero, make me a super villain. Valid point. Okay, so my question is, if you get a fake arm, I mean, how do you know that you're wiping properly? <laughs> See? See, thinking um, outside the box. There's these things that, I forget what they're called. I think they're called boudets. Bidet. Bidet. You use bidet, which is you spray it on your ass cheeks or your nether regions, and it does it for you. <laughs> Dude, bidets are amazing. Well, I mean, but you still have to uh, clean the area to make sure everything is, you know, where it needs to be. Other hand, it's not sitting. You lose both hands, both arms. Well, you just have to learn how to do it with the other arm. It's a little bit more frustrating, but it is possible. You, you got me there. You truly got me there. I, who boy. I mean, Bex actually stunned me. For the first time ever, I'm officially speechless. Because, I mean, if it's, I mean if, it's, if it's my dominant arm, I have to use a plastic hand. It'd be like a stranger wiping me. But fun time with yourself would be like having it with a stranger. Exactly. And besides... People have broken their right, their dominant hand and learned how to write and do other things with their non-dominant hand. So, take off the arm. I'm going to be more mad about the tattoos, again, because thousands of dollars and there's no insurance clause against my arm being bitten off by either a shark or, in your guys' case, a gator. <laughs> you know, bitten off by a gator than a shark. I mean, you don't go up to the gators and go coochie-coo. Like... You just watch them from a distance, these freaking dinosaurs. Yeah, but there's some people who are idiots and go fishing right on the water, then, oh, there's a stator. Let me pet it. Let me go boop. Well, I mean, there's a reason why it's called Florida Man. Like, the spirit of Florida Man lives on forever. But, I mean, actually, a small thing with the prosthetic arm, I mean, you don't have to get, you know, you just save money on tattoos. You can actually have it drawn. You gotta have it drawn on, just just magic marker stuff like that. Already had it tattooed though. I spent thousands of dollars on a sleeve. But you have a whole new canvas now. That. But. But at the same time, I lost thousands of dollars. <laughs> That's very true. But I'd be more upset about losing my physical arm that was attached to my body that I was born with. You know, because I I, I grew <sighs> that. For free. For, for free. free, but it's not always about money. But you did it for free, therefore. I did it for free because I was supposed to have it, though. That's the thing. Okay, again, I'm going to argue with you. What about the people who don't have arms and were born without them? They're, They're not, not missing anything. But I'm not that person. I They're supposed, supposed to. <laughs> Look, I'm born with other things wrong with me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was born with arms because I was not born with a full brain. <laughs> well, I mean, but in, in all honesty, they're not really missing anything. I mean, people with no arms, they're not missing anything because they never had to begin with. See, this whole conversation makes me think of um, the first season of Dexter 
where the um, killer goes after the girl, but she's saved because she has a prosthetic arm. Please tell me you've seen the first season of Dexter. I have not seen that episode. And you just ruined it for her. No, she, she. I didn't ruin the most important part of that season. You have to watch Dexter. It is so good. And when you do, we can talk about it. Yes. Okay. It's amazing. I tried, but then it got taken off Netflix after I've watched like two episodes. There are nefarious ways for. to watch these things. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, before we get too much off track here, let's talk about our original point of the show. Um, about well, actually, I'm sorry. I don't want to take over. I'll hand it back to Becky because she had the topic that we're going to talk about today. So by all means, I'll hand it right back over to you. We're going to get your feet wet because you're because you're going to be the host. So by all means, you have control over this. Fall right back to you. I'm good. <laughs> no, you're the host this episode. This. You are the host this episode. And and you're doing extremely well you're so far. You're doing an amazing job, Bex. Daddy Bex. <clears throat> Anyways. So, in past episodes, we've talked about what is one of my favorite things to do, which is reading. So, books. So, I'm going to ask Sarah, what is your favorite horror book? Favorite horror book? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Um, well, um, I do not remember the name of it. And I don't know if this would really be considered horror but it's definitely like, oh God, I wish I remember the, the name of it. Um, it's essentially about this town that uh, basically gets overrun by like a military people. And they essentially, um, they kind of kill the whole town in horrible ways. They tell the town that there's a lottery that everyone won and they have to go to the... Uh, the school. The high school. The high school. Yeah, have you read this? Did they go no, to the high school? I remember it. You or Ashley or Adrian talked about it before. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the book, and I wish I could because there's a sequel to it that was also equally good. But they take everyone into the high school auditorium, and they slowly but surely call everyone back, and they kill them all. And the main character ends up falling out of the ceiling onto a pile of dead people. Um, but it's such a good book. I mean, it is it's nasty, don't get me wrong. Like, it is not for the faint of heart, but it is so good. Um, I read two books by this author, and they were both equally fucked up, but they're so good. It's like an older it's book. It's not Death Comes to the School, is it? No. Uh, you wouldn't know that there was a school involved in the title. Um, it was, I think it's listed as suspense thriller horror but there's two by the author and i wish my old old kindle like three kindles back had it on there and if i had unearthed my five totes full of books by now i would i have one of them in paperback but it is just so freaking good and i just wish i could remember what the name of it was I'm sure if I did some digging, I could figure it out. Yeah, I'm gonna but. have to. I'm gonna have to look for that and see. I need to get you the name of the book because it's really good. It's just it is gross. It is not for the faint of heart. I've read some stuff, uh, and it's definitely one of them. Now, I mean, for you, uh, Bex, which is one of your favorite books? Uh, I know we talked off air about Stephen King, and all of us has read Stephen King novels. Um, which which is which is one of yours? And I'll tell you which one is mine. So, for Stephen King, my favorite Stephen King novel is going to be It. The reason for It is because after writing Accident back in 2017, I couldn't, I couldn't be around late for a few days just due to how bad my head injury was. And I started listening to the audiobook and stuff. And for some reason, that book made my brain kind of switch gears from being woes is me to it could be a lot worse. It could be a hell of a lot worse. And it made me be able to connect to people again without, cause like I really connected to the book. I really connected to the children and how they went through these struggles and all of them came from different backgrounds all to 
defeat the same foe, same enemy, but they all had their different reasons, different ways of doing it. <clears throat> and it was the first book I had finished reading. It took me a few years. I'm embarrassed to admit I'm a very slow reader. I have dyslexia. And it took me a few years to be able to finish it, but for some reason, like that book's always gonna hold a piece of my heart, that in Pet Cemetery, but Pet Cemetery is because it's the first book my dad let me borrow from him. And him and I discussed it a lot. But it was kind of what helped me feel more like myself and less like I'm just gonna lie here and think about everything bad that happened. It was my escape. Mm. You know, I read the book also, because yeah, I mean, I really love the detail. I mean, Stephen King really talked about in detail, like the backdrop, the characters, the side characters like Adrian, go figure, and uh, and, and of course also, it was very unconventional, you know, how they were all friends and how they remained friend, how their friendship remained. Of course, they can't explain that in the movie because it's way too graphic. Now, after you read the book. Did you ever try to watch the TV series before the new remake came out? I have not tried watching the TV series. <clears throat> I want to at some point. I just need to figure out how to. But I think my job sells it. By TV series, do you mean the original with Tim Curry? Yes. Oh, I grew up with that. It was so good. Uh, and now, have you seen the actual remakes? Uh, it uh -huh. Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. Now, of course there's really no comparison you know with the movie versus the book but what did you think about those so it chapter one i liked it it gave like a solid face to the characters for me i hate that they left out like um some really key elements that but i like the fact that it stuck to instead of jumping back and forth and back and forth it stuck to them just being kids and like how everything progressed I liked how they did all that. Granted, again, leaving out some key elements because, again, it's a bit too graphic and trying to explain it without reading the book. It's so out of context. It's so fucked up. It's so mentally twisted that people are automatically go, oh my god, this is disgusting. But at the same time, once you read the book, you're like, oh, that's why. <clears throat> the second movie, I liked it a lot the first half because it really stuck true to the book. Second half, they dropped the ball so hard and they included parts of like Salem's Lot and um, Cujo and <clears throat> the Dark Tower series. Like they combined elements of different books that they didn't have to combine and it ruined it. And like the way how it ended and stuff, I'm just like, you had it at the first half, you were doing really good, then you fucked up. Yeah, it really seemed like the second half of it, they either ran out of time or ran out of money, and they just pasted something really hokey together. So part two was very, you know, uh, was very uneventful. But I really do recommend watching the original It with Tim Curry, because obviously it can't piece together everything, but to me it has a better, it was put together better uh, than the remake. So I'll look over to the next screen and I'll hand over to Sarah. What about you and your favorite book? Well, um, the only uh, Stephen King book that I ever read fully is Fairy Tales. So I never f read it, but I, I do have to agree that while I haven't read the book, I did truly love um, chapter one and chapter two. But for me, it's always going to be the Tim Curry version. Um, it, it's Tim freaking Curry. Like, you, you can't get any better than that. He is everything. But, um, like, it, it's just so good, and it gives you more, I guess, meat to the story, in my opinion. Um, but also, I grew up with it, so I'm going to be kind of biased. But the only Stephen King book that I ever actually finished, like I've started a couple other ones, but the only one that I actually finished was Fairy Tale. And it's not horror. It, it's a fairy tale. And it's very good. Um, I truly enjoyed it. It did get kind of difficult to get into for me. Um, just because I don't... I don't like when you use an expletive over and over and over and over and over um, to describe literally everything. And I understand why he did, 
in the beginning of the book like I do. Everything is goddamn this and that and what have you, what have you, what have you. Um, and I understand why, because that's the mindset of the character at the time. It just, it bothers me when everything has that same identifier on it. Um, and it just annoys me. And also the simple fact that like, I know it, it's a fairy tale, but I literally went into it expecting some kind of horror twist because it's Stephen King. You know, like I understand that that's not his only, he's not a one trick pony, but like I just was expecting something else out of it. But I truly enjoyed the story. Um, I felt that it drug on in certain places, but that it came to a good conclusion and tied everything up in a nice little bow. That's pretty awesome. Uh, like, what do you mean by it's a fairy tale? Like, I tried reading a little bit of it, but like, again, books these days, the back of the book is literally reviews. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I want to know what is the book about. I don't want to have to sit there and look at it and go, oh, this looks interesting, and Google what the book's about. I don't want to look at the back and see reviews. I want to see a synopsis. And unfortunately, these days you have to dig for a synopsis, but it literally is a fairy tale. You have boy from another world that goes and saves the new world to save the princess. Like, blonde hair, blue eye, prince, that was promised. That's what you get, but it's a twist on it. So um, think of all of the main basic fairy tales that you can think of. So we're talking Wizard of Oz. There's an aspect of Wizard of Oz in there. There are aspects of um, different fairy tales. So Rumpelstiltskin, and uh, you get an aspect of the the woman in the house with the the woman who lived in the shoe, and you get the um, basically the goose girl, and you get a whole bunch of different like old fairy tales squished into one. So. It literally is a fairy tale. Oh, okay. That makes it a little bit easier for me because, like, like you, at the beginning, I listen to audiobooks because I can't mm -hmm. focus lately. And chapter one, goddamn, goddamn, yes. I was like, nope. Do you see what my issue was with it? Because I also did audiobook, and I, I listened to it while I drove. I listened to it while I was working. Um, I listened to it while I was playing stupid games on my phone. And for it to be goddamn this and goddamn that, every five seconds, I'm like, guys, there are other identifiers in the world. You know, there is a plethora of words that you could be using here except for the goddamn bridge and... This fucking bridge, this that goddamn that. tree, this motherfucking. And I'm like, guys, rock. like, just, just really. But it makes sense why, because of the mentality of the characters at the time and when it was set. But the simple fact is that once you get past that shit, it gets much better, much, much better. Well, see, for yeah. that, I really can't compare. I never read that book, so I mean, I'm definitely interested because I like all Stephen King novels. Mm -hmm. um, so my book is The Shining. Um, I love The Shining. It is a tremendous movie. I used to be terrified of it as a kid. Mom used to work nights. She used to work at the hospital. We were all alone at night. And she'd watch horror movies like The Shining and Nightmare on Elm Street. So fast forward years later, in my 30s, stumbled upon it. I watched, every, I watched it from start to finish, grabbed the book, read it from start to finish. I haven't seen Dr. Sleep, and I'll ask you about that soon, Becky, um, but I've um, only seen the Stanley Kubrick version of The Shining. I know they came out with a couple of other different versions of it. They actually came out with two different versions of The Shining. And if you, if you Google it, look it up, you'll see somebody else did it and another person did it also. That never really held my interest. So it's one of those films that I can watch on repeat because I'm always discovering something new. So as she looks it up, I will ask her about Dr. Sleep. I haven't seen that one yet, but the reason being is I don't want to soil my memory of, of The Shining. So Dr. Sleep's actually really good. Uh, the movie, it's, it's annoying if you've read the book first. It's so annoying because typical to all Stephen King books, it 
being adapted into movies, kind of like Pet Cemetery. There's just some things that it felt rushed in some ways, but other ways it was gorgeous. It gave a greater view into the characters. I hate that they changed one of the main characters' races. Um, Abra is described with blonde hair and brown eyes, and she ended up being a black little girl. And the father was described as very tan and muscular, and they, again, made him black, which I have nothing against that normally, but it's just like, why? Anyways. Well, actually, before you go any further, I don't mean to interrupt. So explain to the audience what Dr. Sleep is about. Because I mean, I know most people know about The Shining and it and stuff of that nature, but explain what Dr. Sleep is, you know, to, to, to anyone who's interested. Also, I have a question. Um, does changing the race of the character change the integrity of the story? Um, yes and no. Um, it's kind of like changing the fact that Ariel went from being a redhead to with white skin to being black, which, hey, if the actress is good at it, that's awesome. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes it's kind of like making a straight character gay. Like, don't push it. And that's me speaking as a lesbian. Like, it doesn't change anything, but at the same time, it changes a lot. And I can see where you're coming from. The only reason why I ask that is, in my opinion, literature is subjective, um, the way that you read it. Um, for instance, the hullabaloo of Hermione Granger. In the books, she's only described as having, um, I don't remember the actual word, but like basically messy hair, big bushy hair. What, uh, what book is this? This is Harry Potter series. Okay, Harry not before Potter, that. She's described as having frizzy, Fuzzy, untamed, bushy hair. With bug teeth, like beaver teeth, and yep. freckles, and brown eyes. Correct. That could be any color, because you can have freckles and be black, you know? So, some people were upset that she was cast black in the stage performance of The Cursed Child, versus being white. In my opinion, does it change the integrity of the story? Meaning... Does the story completely change based on a race slash ethnicity of a character? Because if it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Other people will will disagree with me because they're purists, you know, just like you said with the Ariel thing. But as far as I'm concerned, if it doesn't change the story, um, if it's not like a story where it is specifically based on this person has a specific color eyeball, you know? Like, for instance, also a Harry Potter thing. Harry Potter has his mother's eyes, right? They're green. Lily's eyes are green. Does Daniel Radcliffe have green eyes? He does not. No. That changed the but integrity of the story. To, but that was due to um, contact issues. Like, the only issue I have with it is how Abra's described. Is for Stephen King goes into a lot of details and stuff, so I think it bugged me because, like, I had this idea in my head. Mm -hmm. And that watching it. I'm like, this is not it. But again, that's just me and my ADHD, my weird little gremlin brain going, this isn't it. This, no, no, no. <laughs> and I understand that. I was just asking for myself because. No, like it doesn't change the integrity of the story in the end. It's just, I'm one of those people where I have to remind myself it's a book and it's a movie. Two completely different things, kind of based off the same thing, but they're also how people envision things. Yes. I see it as a multiverse, kind of like you think Marvel, you know, but I've always oh, yeah. thought of it this way. So you've got your book, book, mm, book world, and then you have your movie world. So they're very different, but they are the same thing at its core, but you've got one universe where it's the book and it's how it should be. And then you've got one universe where it's the movie and it's different. Oh, of course. So now, I, um, what is Dr. Sleep about? So I'll read the synopsis because 
on the gift books where it's got the synopsis on the back. <gasps> wow, um, dying breed. So, fair warning, again, dyslexic. Bear with me. Years ago, the haunting of Orla Hotel nearly broke young Dan Torrance's sanity as his paranormal gift, known as The Shining, opened a door straight into hell. And even though Dan is all grown up, the ghost of the Overlook and his father's legacy of alcoholism and violence kept him drifting aimlessly for most of his life. Now Dan has finally found some order in the chaos by working in the local hospice, earning the nickname Dr. Sleep. By secretly using his special abilities to comfort the dying and prepare them for the afterlife. But when he unexpectedly meets 12-year-old Abra Stone, who possesses an even more powerful manifestation of the Shining, the two find their lives in sudden jeopardy at the hands of the ageless and murderous nomadic tribe known as the Trunon. Reigniting Dan's own demons and summoning him to battle for this young girl's soul and survival. Interesting, because I because I kept thinking, and I know I was way off, I kept thinking that it was more or less like a part two, or is this a whole separate shiny universe I really didn't want to delve into? Um, no, but it was pretty much Stephen King kept getting asked questions. It's part of the book, like his reasoning for it. He kept getting asked questions about Dan, and like where he is, and how he grew up, and he had to struggle a lot with writing the ending writing the book based off the ending of the movie The Shining or the book The Shining, but he decided to keep it true to the book. Hmm. Interesting. And the movie Dr. Sleep, the ending, they changed entirely, but it was for giving Stephen King the ending he wanted to see. It was to give Stephen King the ending that he expected and it introduced some characters that the shining the movie never introduced so i have a question as someone who's never read the book of the shining what are the differences between the ending in the movie and the ending in the book mm, that's a lot of spoilers that's a lot of spoilers yes um, it's pretty much let's just say Some people have who died lived, and some people who died, or who lived died. And one of the entities, which is the Overlook, is one of the things that either truly lived or truly died. And if you watch the ending of Doctor Sleep, is how the ending of The Shining should be. Ah, uh, Adrian, do I just spoil it? No, no, it? no, no, you did not, not at all. I'm. I'm very confused. I'm very confused. Should I just read the book and then reconvene on this conversation? I feel yes. like our our readers would be confused too, but the book has been out for so long that I feel like any of Have our you listeners... Have watched the movie, The Shining? I've watched the movie, yes. I okay. just, I, I haven't so, read the book, and it's on my list of TBR, but I have a very, very long TBR list. All right. If anyone has not watched The Shining has not read The Shining, uh, and you don't want spoilers, leave the podcast now. Otherwise, can't say I didn't warn you, and don't come at me with hate. In the book, Dick Halloran lives. Oh! Uh, the mother lives, Daniel lives, Jack Torrance gets his face beat in with a mallet by himself through the overlook after being stabbed and thrown downstairs and everything else by Wendy trying to save her life. Dan okay, Wendy is watches. a hell of a badass in the book. Wendy had broken ribs. She had a broken back. I think she had... A, was it Wendy or Dick? I know Dick had his face beat in. Like, he... Let's have his face was shattered. Um, it was uh, Wendy uh, with the broken back. Okay, Wendy's the one with the broken back, which she got from her husband. And once they're up on the third floor, it's the Overlook, who's in Jack, and Danny. And he's Danny's guys back to the wall. And fair warning, Tony is a... It's Tony. 
like <laughs> it's not the finger thing Tony <laughs> like Danny goes into these states and everything and has dreams and he passes out and Tony had told Danny you're going to remember what your father forgot every day Jack has to dump the boiler in the morning and afternoon and right before bed Jack didn't dump the boiler that morning because he was locked in a pantry and the overlooks now I've got you little shit time to take your medicine pup and Danny looked at him and said you forgot and he was like what do you mean like mind you this is word for word but Danny's like you forgot and he's like what do you mean he's like the boiler overlook panics goes down to the boiler Danny gets down the stairs now, Dick Holleran, this motherfucker, he is amazing. I, I love this guy. Like, he's my favorite character of The Shining. He's the only one who really, I think, has it. Danny's back, who's actually there for Danny, even when he doesn't know the kid. He's got no reason to, but he's literally flew from Florida up to Colorado, went through a blizzard on a snowmobile, almost went off the road a few times, and got up to the overlook. Face hedge lions and hedge dogs that were trying to kill him to get the maze and everything. Nope, it's actually hedge animals. So that's entirely oh, different. Okay. Um and then Danny's there at the stairs and Jack's uh Dick's like, This place is about to blow, we gotta go. He picks up Wendy, picks up Danny. After he has his face smashed in, he's gotten beat with a mallet, he's got the back of his head, like the skull's fractured, takes him and runs out of the fucking overlook and it goes up in flames. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, the book is definitely so much better because once again, you can't fit all that in the movie, you know, no matter what, because you, even if you tried, the movie's gonna be three, four, five hours just to get every little detail in to explain everything. So that's, that's what happens with most movies. You, you can't get everything in from the book. As we mentioned earlier, if you did it with it, it will be NC-17 and probably get banned and canceled and everything. Oh, yeah. Yes, because without going into too much, there's a whole lot of sexual acts that goes on, you know, um, in the book that they can't put into a movie. Yeah, and a, the way how it's described in the book makes it feel like it's entirely not meant to be sexual. It's not meant to be the way how if we just said it it would be perceived mm -hmm. it's literally perceived as reconnecting a bonding experience a bonding on a promise basically yes so my question to the group is i don't want to take away from, from what we're talking about currently if i am we'll definitely go back to it but in your opinion uh sarah and bex which is the worst adaptation from the book to a movie and I'll turn it over uh, to Sarah first. And no, don't... Bex, you should go first because I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I was going to say, there's a lot that yeah. I think are horrible adaptations. I, I um, can think of one that you would have to have read the book in order to understand the movie. Well, which, okay, well, here, let, here, let me slim it down a little bit. Which, which mainstream book that got made into a movie that totally ruined it for you? Cemetery. The first Pet Cemetery movie. Really? Okay. If you and, and watch that, that movie without reading the book, you've got no idea what's going on. Zero, zilch, nada. You're like, where's this old man from? Why is he a big deal? Why did he die? What's going on? Like, it doesn't go into the background of, like, anything. It's just, it is very slow pace, and, like, there's, it's just, Honest to God, if you watch the movie, the original Pet Cemetery, without reading the book, you will not understand what's going on. You'll have zero idea. So, you know, so just in case, I know mo you know most of our listeners have seen Pet Cemetery but haven't read the book. So, give us a, just a small example on what you mean. You know, what they could so, have done, what they could have done better. You know, the I haven't read the book in a while. I watched the movie once and it was years ago it was back when I was actually close to my father 
um, the wife is not included of the old man. Um, there's no talk about why this random zombie guy is following the dad around. There's no explanation for what's important about the cat, what's so symbolic about it. There's nothing that explains why the child had to be taken up to this burial ground. And, like, it just... Uh, a lot of the movie, it just didn't make sense. And I'm trying to remember because <laughs> my memory's shit. But a lot of key elements, just in general, like the wife, the daughter, the them leaving and going to the accident. Like, ugh, there's so much. There's so much. Like the second, the Pet Cemetery remake was more accurate to the book and was better explanation. Granted, they changed which child died but if they had kept it with Gabe instead of the daughter, it would have been exactly like the book, exactly like it. So now before I go over to Sarah, just one more question for you with that. If you think, if you believe that they would have done a proper adaptation from the book to the movie, how long do you think the movie would have been? You, honestly, they probably could have made the movie in about two hours for it to be properly added like a proper one whereas them moving in and him actually explaining this is a pet cemetery and then explaining to um the dad like these lands were owned by whatever the tribe is i forget now and explaining what the wendigo was and going into a little bit more detail with it hmm. and going into the parts of, like, it could have been done in about two hours, I think. It's not that big of a book. There's a lot of details, yes, you can skip out. But there's also really important ones that they completely were like, oh, this, the daughter, hmm, she loves her cat. Just kill the cat and um, we'll not include the fact that, like, the daughter, like, kicks the cat out of the room for smelling bad or that the daughter is starting to dislike the cat we'll just kick that out and then they won't even come back ever but the baby died after this accident and yeah it's just <laughs> alright so I saw like they bit... literally could have done it with Pet Cemetery remake just make it so it was Gabe it would be perfect <laughs> So uh, I'll, I'll look over to my next screen here and I'll ask uh, Sarah, are, are you ready with yours or do you need more time? Well, when you talk about book to movie adaptations, there are just literally so many. Um, and one of the ones that kind of, um, kind of got to me was um, Ender's Game. I never actually finished the movie for Ender's Game. I love that book so much. Bex, you have something to say. Are you saying Hunter's Game or Ender's, Ender's Game? Ender's Game. Ender. E-N-D-E-R. Okay, so I mean, give, us a, brief, so give us a brief description of what uh, the book is about. So the book Ender's Game is essentially, um, it's futuristic society where you're allowed to have one child. If you want to have more than one child, you have to prove your worth to do so. Um, and children are raised to expect extreme excellence. And Ender, um, he is a second child of two, and he is recruited to go up into a space station and become a warrior. Now, Ender is extremely intelligent, like ridiculous intelligent, and he also is um, someone that wants to succeed. So he goes up there and they're learning how to fight against these bugs, okay? The aliens are insectoids. And essentially what had happened was the insectoid aliens had attacked um, some earth colonies and had wiped them out. And so they were training to essentially go and attack these insectoid aliens where they lived, okay? 
But the training is all in the form of different games. And they're using these children as what they think is simulations, but as warriors. So I didn't even finish the movie. I'm not going to lie. Um, I loved that book so much, but there were so many inconsistencies and it focused far too much on aspects that weren't as important as they are in the book. Um, the, there are specific things. There's some feedback from you, Bex. Everything good? No, I'm listening. Oh no, it just had some weird feedback in the microphone, um, that I was hearing. But, um, essentially like there's these weird little extra games slash dreams that Ender has that, um, are basically really core to his development and they just kind of skim over them or, or make them different in the movie. And I just, I genuinely couldn't get through the movie. The book is phenomenal. It is in my top 10 favorite books. Um, but the movie, I just couldn't get through it. I, I couldn't. Now, you were talking about Hunger Games. What did you have to say about that? So the reason why I was asking about the Hunger Games is because in the first book, they changed some very key pivotal things. Yes. This stuff I remember for sure. Um, the pen, the Mockingjay pen. Yes. Was actually shown in the book. Uh -huh. It wasn't some kind of hidden thing. It wasn't some kind of hidden agenda. She didn't get it from the black market. She got it from her mother. Because yes. her mother got it from her friend who was part of upper class for District 11. Or 12. Yes. District 12. And that's how the Mockingjay came to be. That's why Mockingjay was so prevalent. That's why it was such a big symbol. Yes. Because the pen was on her shirt. It was hidden. It because... wasn't some, shh, I'm not supposed to give this to you. It was, they went through this all thoroughly, made sure there's no hidden weapon and you're allowed to have it, wear it with pride. Yes. And Everyone was allowed. The cat. Sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, no, it's but, okay. And they changed the cat. <laughs> the cat, which is very important. <laughs> yes. It's very, very important. Um, and they made it too much of a love triangle, too. They did. They really did. Um, in, in my opinion, yes, I agree with you so much about the pen. Because they're all allowed to have something of their their district. They're all allowed to have something to show pride in their district. And... Um, for it to have been a secret in the movie just didn't sit right with me. I agree with you on the cat as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't, I never viewed it a hundred percent as a quote unquote love triangle when reading the books as much as it was just her trying to survive. Every choice that Katniss made was to survive. It didn't become a quote unquote love triangle until at least the second book um, when she had to pretend, you know, that everything was still good, you know, like she was friends with Gail and she always was curious about PETA. And then when PETA claimed, you know, the star-crossed lovers of District 12 and all that fun stuff, she was livid. She was furious, but she went along with it because it would help her survive, you know, like it was all about survival. Yeah, and I don't think it really became like a love triangle, not even in book two, but in more book three. Yes. And that's when she realized all these feelings I've been faking, I actually have them, and Gail's a piece of shit. Gail got my sister killed. Yes, 100% yes. Like, I saw it starting to happen in book two because of them having to pretend and how angry Gail was, how, how absolutely angry Gail was. And I thought it was more so on the guy's part than hers, but no, I agree with you. For her to be like, oh, this is what's going on. Didn't happen till book three. It, it, it really didn't. So, so my question yeah. is, if they did, like I asked Becky earlier, if they would have stuck true to the book, how long do you think the movie would have been? For which one? For the first one. For, it could have stayed the same. It could have been about the same. same amount of time. Yeah, for the Hunger Games, mm. like, yeah, it could have stayed about the same. They just would have needed to change a couple things. Mm. Um, just a couple slight changes. You know, I thought that overall they did very, very well with the books to movie adaptation. I thought they did an amazing job with it. I just felt that there were a few things that needed to be fixed. Okay. 
So, and they changed directors too from the first movie to the second movie because the second director, I think he made a statement at some point saying he had a lot of things to try to fix and some things that were so far gone that he couldn't fix it, yes. like the pen. Gotcha. Which is a huge pivotal part and he did really good at keeping true to the books. Yes. There were some things like the maybe mutts and stuff like they couldn't include these things because it would have been way too graphic to have these mutts look like which these is, other competitors. Which is true, but that kind of took the feeling out of it for Katniss because the trauma at the end is that these are all her dead companions that are coming back to kill her again. Like that they took the bodies of the dead ones and made them fight again. Like, how horrifying, you know? That is true, but at the same time, it would have been changed from being, like, a like PG-13 movie to a rated R. Oh, you're right. You're so right. In some ways, I can understand them changing some things. Like, I understand changing the mutants and stuff, but, again, the director had to compensate for these mistakes made in the first book, or Correct. first movie. Correct, and the I think that only they... quick and easy one was changing the cap. Yeah. Well, what I recommend for for my last my last go around, I guess, as we're closing up shop, is something different, something a little bit different. Um, as a kid, I read the Brothers Grimm and the original Cinderella, and Ooh. yes, and of course. What sticks out of my mind the most as a little kid, even now at age 47, is the slippers. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Snow White, which you really should be, uh, of course, you know, the prince tries to slip a slipper on, uh, on the right foot, on, on the right person, on the right woman's foot. Now, in the cartoon, of course, or even the live action version, of course, the slipper doesn't fit until, you know, it finally finds its way on Snow White. Cinderella. Or excuse me, Cinderella, thank you. Now, in the Grimm's tale, you know, they were so obsessed with being with the prince, you know, um, they, like, sliced off one of their heels, you know, sliced off one of their toes, stuff like that, to make their foot fit in the slipper. And, once again, it's the Grimm's tale, so it was very dark, very graphic, not really made for kids. So I went back and I read a whole bunch of the Grimm fairy tales, and looking at it with adult eyes... Yeah, they could have, I mean, it really disappointed uh, me as far as the adaptation of it. Because I'm kind of curious to see what the actual true story was. And it wasn't really a fairy tale. It was very, very, very dark. So. I love well, that you fairy tales back then were all about morals and life lessons. Yes. Hidden ones, not, oh, if you stay true to your heart, the prince and everything will be all right. Happy ever after is you fuck up. You find you, out. Uh, face the consequences. Reality. It's all reality. But I love how you mentioned Snow White because Snow White is, in my opinion, almost worse. Um, do you remember how Snow White ended? No, I don't. Um, let's uh, wrap it up with that. And please, so, like me out, tell us. At the end of Snow White, um, which, mind you, I'm not going to go into the whole differences of Snow White. I'm just talking about the end here. Um, at the end of Snow White, they um, capture the queen and force her to dance at their wedding. And by forcing her to dance, I mean they literally put her feet in these um, metal shoes that were so hot they were red. So they made her dance to her death in piping hot shoes that had just come out of the fire at their wedding for entertainment. That's pretty damn graphic, all right. I told you. <laughs> so as the show come to a close, We'll do just a couple more things. I'll, I'll go around the round table here, and uh, I'll ask um, Sarah, what did you think of the show? And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? So I really enjoyed this show. I'd love to do a follow-up on this, especially when I can remember what the book's name is. And I'd love to talk more about book, book adaptations um, of movies, or I should say movie adaptations of books. Um, I, I would love to talk more about that because there are so many out there that I could talk about for days. Um, but uh, if you want to find me, really, I'm not that active these days. 
Um, but you can find me on TikTok posting stupid shit depending on what I find on my feed. So. All right. And you don't want to give your handle for your TikTok? Oh, okay. um, Cerberus Magic. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> uh, uh, and of course, uh, you can find me, not me, you can find a whole entire show um, under walkerac76.podbean.com. Find us on 22 free different platforms. And of course, just do a search for the Walker AC experience. That's what you can find us. The Out of Context Show, Slacking Majestically, The Walker AC Experience, so on and so on and so on. And of course, I'd like to hand it over for the final say to our host of this lovely show, Big Time Bex, our dear uh, sacred vampire now. So I know why she wants to attack me and bite me now. It all makes sense. Um, so I will, give, I will give Becky the last word. And uh, yeah, floor is all yours, my dear host. Um, if anybody wants to find me, I'm on Twitch. Rainbow Cupcake 95. Um, I'm not very active on it right now, just stealing out some kinks. And in the heart of Ashley, who we all love and miss very dearly, I have a joke for everybody. Oh, yes. what? Yes. We ready? I'm so All ready. right. A man wakes up from a coma. His wife changes out of her black clothes and in irritation remarks, I really cannot depend on you for anything, can I? <laughs> wow. Good night, oh everyone. My God. <laughs>